0: Hi, and welcome to this week's episode. I've been talking a lot lately about weight management, about exercise, eating right, all of those things. It's really important because almost 75% of American women over the age of 20 are either overweight or obese using those traditional metrics. Now, just to speak to that, traditionally, we would say body mass index, which is just simply height and weight greater than 25, would indicate that you're overweight if it's over 30 would give you that other o word that we don't like to use so much that would be called being obese but i don't like body mass index just height and weight is missing a lot of information for example if you're very muscular if you're a bodybuilder you're going to have a high body mass index and you're certainly not dangerously overweight on the other hand Many women, in particular, as we get to be in our 50s and older, can be quite slim on the scale but we have too much body fat and too little muscle. So when I'm talking about being overweight, I actually like the number 30% of our total weight. We want to have less than 30% of our total weight being body fat. Now, the only way you would know that reliably would be to get on a body composition machine like the one that I have at my office. I know they have them at a lot of gyms and other places these days. You can even get some online through Amazon that are reasonably accurate, but body composition is much more useful than just body mass index. So with that in mind, I want to just non-pathologize a lot of this whole overweight situation. If it was easy to lose weight, we'd all do it, right? But there are certain things that make it much harder for some people. And I see women every day who really are trying as hard as they can. I have Kleenex in my office because of the tears of frustration from doing all of the diets and exercising and just not seeing success or not seeing success the way we used to. And I've talked a couple of months ago about how menopause can just really throw a wrench in this because of a lot of hormonal changes that fight against our metabolism burning fat. And I'll put a link to that below because that is also really relevant but today I wanted to talk about a couple of other things that can make it really hard to lose weight and they can be inherited or they can be things that we get from the environment. So first let me talk to you about some hormones other than menopausal hormones that are related to weight loss. So many of us have heard about two hormones leptin and ghrelin. Well, leptin got tons of media attention starting back in the 1990s when it was discovered. There was a certain type of mouse that in studies was shown to be very fat. And in mouse studies, the obesity rate was shown to be related to the amount of leptin that mice had. So leptin controls our appetite. When we have higher leptin, we feel full. So for a while, it was thought that leptin would be the magic solution for obesity because So it was thought that taking leptin supplements, for example, might cure our obesity. Well, it turned out it wasn't that simple, and that actually is not true. So be careful if you see products that claim to be leptin oral forms of medication, because leptin actually is a brain hormone. Uh, Leptin has to cross what's called the blood-brain barrier and get into our brain. So when we take anything with leptin in it by mouth, It's metabolized in our stomach. It's a protein that's broken down and it just doesn't work that way. So we need our own bodies to produce leptin. Now, another little caveat that makes this difficult is that obese people actually have often very high leptin levels. So it's not that they're lacking leptin, it's that they become resistant to leptin. They've been producing so much of it that it's just not working. So leptin resistance seems to be a real thing. Now, unfortunately, we don't as yet have a cure for leptin resistance, but it's very similar to insulin resistance, which is basically the precursor and the cause of type 2 diabetes. So long story short, anything that reduces your insulin, that reduces your predisposition for diabetes is also going to increase your sensitivity to leptin. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about how to do that. But just to know leptin is a very important hormone when it comes to the feeling of being full. So when we feel full, of course, we eat less and we lose weight. And some people feel full very quickly and they don't struggle with their weight, while others, and you might be one of them, really struggle with portion control. And some of it has to do with this leptin, either lack of leptin or insensitivity to leptin. So really important hormone. Another hormone that gets a lot of attention is called ghrelin. Now ghrelin has the opposite effect. It actually makes us feel hungry. So when ghrelin levels are high, we want to eat more. When ghrelin levels are low, we feel full more quickly or don't feel hungry. And there is evidence that people who are overweight have higher levels of ghrelin, people who don't struggle with their weight have lower levels of ghrelin now there are some things that we can do to change the levels of those hormones in our bloodstream and i'm going to talk to you about those shortly but just for your information there are even other hormones that are being discovered and looked into like cholecystokinin which is another hormone involved in feeling full or in satiety One of the ways that works is that it increases leptin. So it works on that similar pathway. And another hormone is called peptide YY. It's another hormone involved in the hunger mechanism. So just to say there are multiple hormones unrelated to our thyroid, unrelated to our ovarian hormones that are related to the feeling of being full and the feeling of being hungry. Now, another hormone that we're very familiar with in our practice and all doctors who manage weight loss type programs are familiar with is called GLP or a glucagon-like peptide. So GLP also is involved in the whole process of feeling full. And the medications that are most successful for weight loss these days, including Ozempic, Wigobi, which are the same thing, by the way, semaglutide, Another name for the same thing. These are the drugs that we use in our weight loss program, which as you probably recall, were originally developed to treat diabetes, which they do very well treat diabetes. They help to lower blood sugar and insulin, but they actually are GLP lookalikes or GLP agonists. And so they work by mimicking that hormone that makes us feel full. So when you take these medications for weight loss, the primary way that they work, if you're not diabetic, is by appetite suppression. And they work amazingly well for appetite suppression. Now, if you're diabetic or insulin resistant, they're also going to lower your blood sugar and your insulin. But GLP, which naturally occurs in our system, is another hormone that controls our appetite. So while science is still trying to figure out how we can use our knowledge about leptin, about cholecystokinin, about the other hormones that control our appetite we do have that one very important trick up our sleeve that we can use glp1 agonists and it tricks our body into thinking that we're full so that is some good news but in the meantime there are some other things that we can do to change these hormones in a beneficial way and none of them might sound surprising guess what sleeping well improves your hormone panel in that way it decreases ghrelin and it increases our sensitivity to leptin so simply sleeping well we've already talked about has so many benefits but just add that one to the list Exercising does the same thing. Now, none of these things might be surprising, but not only does exercise burn calories and build muscle, both of which help us to burn fat, but also improves our hormone profile in that manner such that we feel hungry less often and we feel full more quickly. Now, you might not notice that when you first start exercising. Some people feel starving, but I can tell you over time, Exercising moderately can actually decrease your appetite. This might also not sound surprising, but eating high protein foods helps your hormones in a beneficial manner as well. So not only does protein provide calories that do not elevate our blood sugar, they provide nutrition to build muscle, they keep us full longer, not only because of the food itself, but because they change those hormones in a beneficial manner. We want to decrease the ghrelin and increase leptin or increase sensitivity to leptin and protein rich foods do that. So all of the things that we know help with weight loss, not only work by the traditionally understood means, but also by benefiting those hormones. And that hormone imbalance is partly genetic. Some of us inherit higher ghrelin, a lower leptin or insensitivity to leptin. And it's also fed by having more body fat. So it's one of those vicious cycles, similar to insulin resistance, that we just need to break. And the way to break it is with that same combination of things that we all know is good for us. Exercise, sleeping well, eating high protein foods, and then also eating lots of high fiber foods. Now there's a second reason or probably a hundred reasons to eat lots of high fiber foods that also plays into this whole weight gain picture. And again, non pathologizing it, because if you have this situation, it's not your fault, but changing the subject from hormones, the gut biome or the bacterial makeup of our gut is really important for everything. But one of the things that's important for is weight maintenance. And I think that sounds so exciting because I certainly didn't know about that until recently. But our gut biome is vital for so many things. Having an unhealthy gut biome has been found to be more common in patients who are overweight than those who are lean. And in studies, when the gut biome is altered to be that of a lean person, the patient will lose weight. Now that can be done in animals by actually transplanting feces from a thin mouse into an obese mouse. And guess what? The mouse becomes more thin. So the makeup of our bacteria has numerous effects that are just now being unwrapped and understood. And it's such an exciting time for medicine understanding how important the gut biome is, but a healthy gut biome does many things including improving our ability to metabolize sugar, and carbohydrates, and normalize out insulin, and also normalize those hormones, including leptin and ghrelin. So how do you know what your gut biome is? Well, you can go to a functional medicine doctor and have it tested. Doing home tests is a little bit scientifically gray to say the least. So I cannot recommend a home test that you can do that can adequately explain what's going on in your gut biome because it is something that changes throughout the day, throughout the week, and it's very difficult to measure with a home test. Functional medicine doctor can do that for you. Or you can also just listen to your symptoms. When you have a healthy gut biome, chances are you're going to have a healthy feeling gut. You'll have normal bowel movements. You won't feel gassy. You won't have stomach issues. You won't have Abdominal cramps, irritable bowel symptoms. So what can we do to improve our gut biome? Well, eating healthy food, I have the same old advice, isn't it? Lots of high fiber foods, high protein foods, healthy gut bacteria love fiber. So lots of colored vegetables. If we lived on protein and colored vegetables, our guts would be very happy. Eliminating in- inflammatory foods that we've already talked about as much as we can. The biggest one being gluten. Another one for many people being dairy. And we all know the list by now. Now, taking probiotics, does that really help? Well, there actually are some studies that show that obese people who took very high doses of probiotics for a few months lost more weight than the control group. But studies have been a little gray in that area. So recommending probiotics for weight loss It's still a little bit of a gray area, but hey, it doesn't hurt. So taking a probiotic is certainly not something that's harmful. And I think we'll get a lot more information in the next 10, 20 years about whether that actually helps with weight loss. But certainly it has been shown in some studies to improve the ability to burn fat. Uh, So taking a probiotic is certainly optional, and I would absolutely take a probiotic if you're ever taking antibiotics or if you have irritable bowel type symptoms, because we do know for sure that the gut microbiome of lean people is different than the gut microbiome of overweight people. So there's definitely something in there. And this is uh, ongoing knowledge that's just on the edge of discovery. So very exciting to pursue as we go. But what I can tell you that we know that works right now is understanding these hormones that control our appetite. Now, understanding them might be enough that might help us to be able to take the action that we know is gonna be successful for weight loss. If you need or want to take a medication, one of the GLP agonists, and we use those in our weight loss program, we'll give you some information about that below. If you live in Houston, that is an in-person program, but many doctors would prescribe medications in that class for you if you need them. Eating protein, sleeping well, exercising, eating lots of fiber, all of the things that you already know. But again, some people are not just lazy or gluttonous or greedy or all of the other awful stigmas that we apply to overweight people sometimes in our culture. They're just genetically not gifted with the hormones that some of us have that do help us to burn calories more quickly and you can overcome it. So it's not your fault and you can still be successful. So if you learned something today, go ahead and subscribe and share it with your friends. We'll give you more information about our weight loss program below that uses semaglutide. I hope you can join us if you're here in Houston, and I look forward to talking to you next week.